Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's 3 November. Can't believe it. It's cool out there. I mean, it's not cold and it's not uh, going to last. It'll be warm in another hour, but it's cool out there. It's 3 November. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And this morning, we had several people show up that uh, just showed up without even letting me know they were coming. We got Greg and Sarah Ann Williams from Connecticut. And they just came down here and they drove all the way from Fort Pierce this morning to be at church. They're on the east coast of Florida and they drove all the way up here. So, Real effort, and we appreciate that very much. And then during the music, so I didn't get your last name, but we got Michael and Laura and three of their nine children who are visiting from El Paso, Texas. And so, yeah. And what's your last name, sir? McIntyre. McIntyre. Okay, we got uh, Michael and Laura McIntyre and their children here, and we appreciate this effort very much. And so uh, they'll be here. They'll be going down. Uh, he says they're going to go down to the Keys for a while. It's been years since I've gone to the Keys, and I told them it used to be very laid back and nice. I don't know how it is now, but it's a real pleasure, and thank you for making this effort. Still laid back. It's, it's still laid back. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Because, you know, I mean, Siesta Key used to be a laid back little island, and now it's just concrete. That's all it is, so whatever. Let's see here. Today is the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. So if you uh, are watching the update and uh, you just take a moment and bow your head and pray for the uh, persecuted Christians around the world. That would be appreciated. You'll be in harmony with us and uh, many other Christians around the world praying for these people. And then we have uh, the web guy says we have a new menu on the website, formerly open only to those on Apple Safari, but now anybody can access it. Um, I don't know why. I don't understand these things. But anyway, it's under sermons, and then you go to iTunes podcasts, and you can listen to all of the podcasts directly from the uh, church website instead of going to iTunes directly. So there you go. That's something uh, new and inventive there. And then our first category, as always, is Israel. And kind of in tune with Israel, a little joke there, a little pun in tune with it. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, when my friend Sergio and Rhoda were here, they uh, introduced me to Agape FM. And if you like listening to, you know, Hebrew music. It's Christian music, but it's in Hebrew, and they do play some American songs because they don't have a great uh, treasure trove of uh, Hebrew <laughs> Christian music over there. But you go to just type in Agape FM on your internet browser, and you can listen to it all day long. And I've had some people that I've sent that to say they really enjoy it. It's out of one for Israel ministry. And uh, so I just leave it going all day long, and you know, it's pretty wonderful. So Agape FM. And from the Times of Israel, IDF unveils momentum plan to make it deadlier and faster if it can pay for it. The IDF chief of staff, a guy named Aviv Kohavi, unveiled his multi-year plan to make the military deadlier, faster, better trained, and more capable of defending the Jewish state against the threats facing it today. And I can tell you this week I was sitting there doing my work and 
Code Red Israel, they're lobbing bombs into Israel, and so this is exactly why they need that. And I saw some great uh, videos of, you know, three bombs being sent in and three of them being taken out by the, uh, you know, the missile batteries in Israel, and then one did get through. But what they do is they have to track which ones are going to be an immediate threat to somebody, which ones aren't, and they have to decide, are we going to let that one go? Are we going to get this one and this one? They have to do this within seconds. I mean, there's very little time for them to do that, but this is what they're looking for is upgrading all of their security measures in Israel. In the northern and southern arenas, the situation is tense and precarious and poised to deteriorate into a conflict despite the fact that our enemies are not interested in war. Now, that statement there, I don't know what, maybe he's just trying to appease them or I don't know why he would say that, but this is the chief of staff of the IDF and I thought either he was, you know, drinking a little too much of something or he was just saying that, you know, like trying to appease them. But he says they're not interested in war. In light of this, the IDF has been an accelerated process of preparation. The plan, dubbed Momentum, or Tenufa in Hebrew, will see huge investments in developing the IDF's arsenals, including increasing its collection of mid-sized drones, obtaining large number of precision-guided missiles from the U.S., and purchasing additional air defense batteries. The military will also focus its training exercises more heavily toward urban combat, as it believes that its soldiers are more likely to fight in cities and towns than in open fields where many drills are currently held. And that is absolutely true. Despite the weighty price tag of the Momentum multi-year plan, the IDF refused to comment on how it planned to pay for the new weapons and defensive systems. Sounds like any other government. We want these programs, but we'll let somebody else figure out how to pay for them. The plan will go formally into effect on January 1st of 2020, which is coming soon to a year near you. But the IDF sets to put into place some of the proposals before then. The plan is meant to guide the IDF for the next five years. It will succeed the streamlining and cost-cutting Gideon plan, which was developed by Kohavi's predecessor. The IDF's guiding principle in developing the plan was that a Future war must be won as quickly as possible, requiring the military to have at ready a concrete list of targets, the weapons needed to hit them, and the ability to do so rapidly. Once again, I'd agree wholly with that. That view comes from the fact that the IDF's primary foe in the region, the Iran-backed Lebanese terror group Hezbollah, maintains a massive arsenal of some 130,000 rockets, which we know about. I've talked about that before. And missiles that it would be able to use to attack Israeli strategic sites and population centers. In any future war, the IDF believes it would have to quickly defeat Hezbollah to cut down on the amount of time that the terrorist militia would have to attack Israel. In order to do so, the military's momentum plan focuses on improving military intel's ability to locate targets in enemy territory, outfitting troops from across the IDF with better and more uh, weapons and equipment, and focusing exercises on the type of fighting that soldiers are expected to experience. Under the plan, Kohavi will create a task force dedicated to picking targets that will bring together military intelligence, the IAF, and the IDF's three regional commands. The task force will comprise existing elements of those units and will also expand the use of technology, namely artificial intelligence and big data, in identifying potential targets for military strikes. 
Under the plan, the IDF will also obtain precision-guided missiles from the United States as part of the $3.8 billion a year Washington provides to Israel each year under the Memorandum of Understanding. These precision-guided munitions are key elements in allowing the IDF to effectively destroy an enemy's weapon caches with less collateral damage. In other words, they what? They don't want war. They don't want war. They want to just yap and break their ankles. That's it. That is true, but these people are eventually going to come against Israel, and they need to be ready for this. And the main brunt of that is that they can go in and destroy the centers where the missiles are, destroy the, uh, you know, the... uh, intelligence people and the leaders take them out and then that will save them from having to fight against 130,000 individual missiles coming in. So we'll see where that goes, but at least they're planning on that and they've got the money for it. As it stands right now, I think I've got an article coming up that may come against that. Yes, I do. Um, Well, I'll just say it with uh, Bernie Sanders as he wants to take the uh, uh, $3.8 billion and give it to the Palestinians. So, yeah. Uh, absolutely, that's what he said. He said, if I if I am elected, I want to take that money and give it to them, which is, we've been doing that for years and years, and all they do with it is build more weapons and throw them into Israel, and they pilfer off their own money so that the leadership has got giant houses and the rest of the people are living in pigsties. But that's what he wants to do. Anyway. kicked out of the Jewish club. Yeah. Well, no, there's a lot of Jews that don't like Israel, and he's one of them, so he's still in the Jewish club anyway. But Haaretz, Iran has deployed missiles in Yemen that could hit Israel. This was from earlier in the week, but it's still important to understand. Speaking with visiting Secretary of Treasury Steve Mnuchin, Netanyahu congratulated President Trump for the successful operation to kill ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, he's al-Baghdadi now, and said that Israel is uh, still in the midst of the war against terror. Not only against extreme Sunnis led by ISIS, but also against extreme Shiites led by Iran and its Mideast proxies. According to Netanyahu, Iran is already aspiring to obtain precision weapons to hit every target in the Middle East. They manufacture them in Iran and want them deployed in Iraq and in Syria and turn the 130,000 rocket arsenal in Lebanon into precision munitions, which they've been trying to do. They send in planefuls of uh, precision stuff to make these dummy rockets into missiles, and uh, a couple times they've been caught at that, but this is their overall goal. They aspire to do that, and they have already begun deploying them in Yemen in order to strike Israel from there as well. Netanyahu seemed to be alluding to warnings that he has made over the past few days regarding the possibility of renewed flare-up between Tehran and Jerusalem. During the meeting, Mnuchin pledged to increase economic sanctions against Iran. He said that the admin's maximum pressure campaign is halting Iranian aggression. Netanyahu called on Washington to impose additional sanctions to stop what he called Iran's plunge for everything in the Middle East. That's exactly what needs to happen, but uh, with the Saudis working with Israel now, it wouldn't surprise me if they allow them to fly over their own land in order to help destroy these uh, missiles that are in Yemen now, because they're either going to go against Israel or against Saudi Arabia, and so I think the Saudis would have no problem with that, but we'll see where it goes. Um, Christian news today. This uh, is just something that uh, happened yesterday. I had a friend call me. And she was distressed because two of her friends that she's known for many, many years, Christians, faithful Christians, have gotten into the Hebrew Roots movement. 
and it's destroyed their friendship, and it's also now destroyed these people's lives because they are stuck in this. So once again, I'll talk against it. If you are being uh, charmed into believing that this Hebrew Roots movement is something that is appropriate, that you should be observing the Law of Moses and the Feasts of the Lord and those type of things, you are wrong. That is a disgrace to the cross of Jesus Christ. We are saved by his grace and that alone. The new covenant has annulled the old covenant. It has superseded it and it has set it aside. That's explicitly said in Hebrews 7, 8, and 10. And if you have any questions about this, you can email me and I'll show you where you can find those. I'll show you what it says in the book of Galatians concerning these things. But they've taken the book of Galatians and they've twisted it, saying that that's just addressed to Gnosticism. It's not. It's completely addressed to the annulling of the law of Moses. And if you read Galatians chapter 2 and you can't understand what's going on in there, you've got a real problem with understanding English because it is basic and as simple actually in any language that you read it. Peter was going back and falling on the law and Paul called him out right there. He rebuked him right there in front of everybody. You're a Jew, you can't be saved by the law. What are you doing? So please, if you're getting told that this Hebrew Roots Movement thing is good, that you should be observing the law of Moses in any way, shape or form, you are wrong. Please get away from that. Okay, New York Post. The Vatican at risk of default due to plummeting donations, an expose says. Donations to the Catholic Church have plummeted in the wake of its pervasive clergy sex abuse scandal. So much so that it's at risk of default by 2023. Wouldn't that be nice? According to a new expose. In 2006, the church raked in $112 million in contributions. By 2016, that number was $77.9 million, and now could be much less. The startling bottom line is, according to Italian investigative journalist, I can't pronounce his name, uh, whose new book, Universal Judgment, came out. He blames the church's financial mess on a dip in donations, as well as poor money management and bad real estate deals. If the pontificate of Francis fails, it won't be because of the attacks against conservative Catholics or the crisis in vocations or because of the declining number of the faithful, Nuzi writes. That's his last name, Nuzi. It will be because of the financial collapse that is coming even closer. The admin of the Patrimony of the Apostolic See, a department of the Vatican which oversees real estate and investments, lost the equivalent of nearly $49 million last year prompting officials to set up an emergency task force. Oh, we're losing our money. We got to do something. All right. The uh, real estate portfolio was worth an estimated $3 billion and was poorly managed. Some 800 properties were empty, while 15% of the 3,200 rented properties were being leased for free or below market prices. <laughs> the deficit is recurring and structural and has reached worrying levels. We risk a default if no urgent steps are taken. Only a fifth of total donations goes to the poor. One-fifth of all their donations goes to the poor. The rest of it goes into real estate and, you know, paying for things it shouldn't be paying. But let's see here. Where was I? Uh, goes to the poor and the rest of it is held in bank accounts or used toward the debts of the Vatican's governing body, the Curia. Sex abuse scandals have rocked dioceses in the United States, Ireland, Chile, Australia, and lots of other countries. Pope Francis' economic advisor, Slap down allegations in Newsy's book calling them an attempt to discredit the pontiff. And the AP comes out with this 
article, Vatican denies risk of default over structural deficit. So we have one article that's saying that they're definitely in bad shape, and we got another one that says, oh, that's not true. So from CBS, 99% of Republican white evangelical Protestants oppose impeaching and removing Trump new poll finds. Now, remember, this is CBS, and they've right at the beginning said white evangelical. So they're putting a divide up. I get so tired of the left saying that the racists are on the right when, in fact, they're the ones that push this race issue constantly, constantly dividing people. White evangelical Protestants have never held President Trump's possible moral shortcomings against him. See, they're, they're setting this up. I thought I'd read this to you so you could see what's going on in the minds of the left, supporting him despite his string of marriages, as if that's something bad when the left goes through marriages like they go through candy. And speaking of candy, we got some haichu here. We've got some uh, mints. We got all kinds of candy, so go for it, people. Anyway, yeah, they go through uh, marriages like the uh, left goes through or we go through candy like they go through marriages and they're blaming Trump's possible moral shortcomings. Anyway, uh, he's got occasionally foul language. And what about the left with their F blank, blank, blank Trump? You know, since the day that they were inaugurated, that's been their marching orders and it's just vulgarity coming out of them. News articles right on TV, they're just vulgar. And they're saying this about him. Okay, so uh, although Trump has boasted about well, I won't even read that uh, anyway. Um, and referred to, I love this one, referred to 2 Corinthians as 2 Corinthians. Now, does anybody remember that when he was running for office? And the news went ballistic. He said 2 Corinthians. He didn't say 2 Corinthians. I have never said 2 Corinthians in my life. I say 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, that's it. But they, they try to make these wedges to show how stupid this man is when they're the ones that don't know their Bible. They don't know anything about Scripture, but they have to make these things up. And now they're, they're bringing that back in because the election is coming again. They have to show what an idiot is that he says, two Corinthians. Anyway, um, let's see here in a pre-election forum, 81% of white evangelical Protestants supported Trump in the 2016 election. The president has counted white evangelical Protestant leaders like Robert Jeffries and Jerry Falwell Jr. as some of his strongest allies since taking office. While they may recoil at his abrasive language, white evangelical Protestants are largely pleased with Mr. Trump's role in nominating conservative judges to the federal bench. And I would agree with that 100%. I don't care who they elect on the right. If they are going to appoint conservative judges doesn't matter to me what they say in the White House anymore. It doesn't. We need to have people in there that are going to limit the left. And that is where those nine positions don't go away, folks. They stay. Look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's 327 years old and she's still in that, you know. So we just, we need to make sure that we get these people appointed in there. But I do support our president. He's doing good things. He's not what they're portraying him as. But anyway, Trump's decision to withdraw American troops from northern Syria. Televangelist Pat Robertson warned that Mr. Trump was in danger of losing the mandate of heaven. Well, I'm not a big fan and never have been of Pat Robertson, so we'll just leave that one. But a new poll suggests that white evangelical Protestants are sticking with the president through the impeachment inquiry. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? It's a completely made-up thing. According to a poll by the Public Religion Research Institute, 99% of Republican white evangelical Protestants oppose the impeachment and removal of Mr. Trump from office. Well, what about the uh, new Christian that we have, Kanye? He's become a Christian now. He supports him. Why don't we throw him in there? 
okay? He suddenly turned white because he's obviously white because he supports President Trump. I just, ah, anyway, this is an even greater percent than overall Republicans, 94% of which oppose the impeachment and removal of Trump. There also divides along racial lines, of course, because that's what they keep interjecting. 72% of Hispanic Catholics and 86% of black Protestants disapprove of Mr. Trump's job performance. So they're, they're trying to make these wedges between the Hispanics and the blacks and the whites and just tear apart this nation. There is also widespread disagreement over whether Mr. Trump has encouraged white supremacist violence while in office, which he never has. Our previous president did that. He did that constantly, but our current, well, I, no, I'm saying that he's trying to get these, these extremists at each other's throat. President Trump has never done that. All right, he goes on, 70% of white evangelical Protestants, 51% of white mainline Protestants, and 46% of white Catholics say that Mr. Trump has not had an impact on white supremacist groups, according to the PRRI poll. However, 78% of black Protestants say that Mr. Trump's decisions and behavior have encouraged white supremacist groups because they watch CNN and they believe that nonsense. So that's the state of the world that we're in in Christianity in America today. Our brother Jim opened us today, as he does each week, and what he said today was something that Christians need to understand. Every time I say this, I lose subscribers, or somebody sends me an email. That doesn't matter. What's important is what he said is correct. If you are a Christian, don't give me that we are, we are citizens of heaven. I live in this world, but I am not of this world. You live in this world and you pay taxes. You live in this world and you drive the speed limit. You live in this world and you do the things that this world encompasses. And you, and you represent Jesus in this world. If you are not a voting Christian, and I'm talking about voting for the right in this nation, you are harming the cause of Christ. You're not doing anything good. You're doing bad, okay? You are disgracing the name of the Lord by giving your vote to the left to go and murder the unborn. So please, have a little sense in your theology. Don't just pass out these cliches, well, I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm not of this world. And That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy thinking from Islam today. Zero Hedge, is the U.S. playing a 4D chess game in the Middle East that no one understands? Yes, and I like this article. I read it, and a couple days later, something came along that just followed right after it. So here we go. The decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria has been somewhat of a nightmare for the Trump admin. Either that, or the story in and of itself has served a useful distraction from other issues. At first, the media hit Trump hard for potentially allowing a genocide of the Kurdish allies that had previously backed to defeat ISIS in parts of Syria. Anyone who knows anything about history will know that this isn't the first time the United States has been accused of abandoning its Kurdish allies. Largely missing from any serious commentary on the issue is the fact that the U.S. troops had illegally invaded Syria to begin with, eventually taking over close to one-third of Syria's territory. Also missing is the fact that the United States troops stationed in Syria were effectively a barrier between the Assad government and the Kurdish population, preventing any sort of meaningful peace being reached between the two. Turkey's incursion, it seems, is made up of Sunni radicals who are still heck-bent on unseating Assad. Not too long ago, the United States announced a portion of troops will remain in Syria to protect the oil, that's right, the oil fields. And 
all the Christians that I saw on Facebook were going ballistic. See, it's all about oil. Our president, you know, I'm talking about the Christians that want to find fault in everything the government does, and they haven't thought this through. While some commentators have made it clear that unless the United States wants to become a globally renowned pirate outfit, it would not be able to exploit these resources as the oil belongs to the Assad government. However, that didn't stop the United States from occupying these areas with the view of giving control of these resources to the Kurdish elements it had backed to defeat ISIS. People who think that the U.S. invades countries to take their oil are therefore somewhat naive as this cannot be the case. The U.S. war machine is not concerned with owning and using natural resources. It never has been. Our companies may go in afterward and profit off of them. If we don't, the Russians will. Guess what, folks? Wake up. Anyway, so we'll go on. The U.S. is pumping out oil in record numbers here in the United States. We don't even need their oil anymore. It is actually concerned with controlling these resources, not taking them away from the countries, but controlling them. The United States is now saying that the troops withdrawing from Syria will be stationed in Iraq. Iraq has responded by saying that the U.S. doesn't have permission to send its troops to its territory. However, the fact that they were even in Syria to begin with seems to suggest that permission is a non-issue for the U.S. military. It's not clear whether this is a major policy blunder for the United States under Trump's leadership or another amazing example of Trump's brilliantly played 4D chess game in which we are too immature to comprehend. In the meantime, Trump is rapidly ramping up troop deployments in other parts of the world in preparation for what could be one of the greatest wars of our generation. So it would also pay to keep an eye on wartime developments that generally slip past the mainstream media's radar. And from Haaretz, a couple days after I read that article and I thought, I'm going to set this off to the side and see where this goes. Here it is. U.S. launches new mission in Syria, vows to give oil revenue to the Kurds. From zero, and that's from a lefty, lefty magazine, by the way. Zero Hedge, Turkey close to purchasing Russian Su-35 jets after Lockheed deal blocked. Big deal. Big deal. They went in, they bought those uh, S-400s from Russia. We told them, don't do it because that's going to cause a conflict with our F-35s and that technology. You will be able to match the two up and you'll be able to destroy our F-35s because Russia will get the information. So we blocked sales of the F-35s. Big whoop if they buy a lesser quality Russian aircraft. Who cares? Turkey's Daily Saba reports that Ankara is close to purchasing an initial round of Su-35 fighter jets from Russia in what would mark a huge reversal, of course, following the heated Lockheed F-35 fighter and Russian S-400 saga with Washington, which has sunk U.S.-Turkey relationships to a low point over the past year. Citing Turkish defense sources, Turkish and Russian officials are discussing the details of the sale of a total of 36 Su-35 fighter jets to Turkey, two months after President Erdogan's visit to the International Aviation and Space Salon aviation show outside of Moscow. This after the U.S. blocked transfer of some 100 F-35 Lockheed Martin-produced stealth fighters at a loss of hundreds of millions to Turkey's aviation industry, given it was slated to be a joint participation in making the F-35s ready for Turkey's armed forces. As I said, that's co-production. That's what I did when I was in Malaysia. We had co-production, and they would get benefits by producing parts of the thing that they were buying. They'd get technology. They'd get 
rebates and they would also uh, get our superior aircraft. That is not going to happen because he wants to align with Russia with these S-400s. Big whoop. We won't sell them our F-35s. He thought we're going to get them anyway because they want to sell billions of dollars worth of planes to us and they won't lose that sale. They didn't factor in one thing. T-R-U-M-P. Trump. Sources added that officials are also discussing Turkey's possible involvement in the production of some components of the fighter jets, including its precision weapons and ammunition. So there you go. I'm going to stop right there, even before I get to Daniel 12 technology, because I would normally say this during Daniel 12 technology, but I'll, somebody will say something and I'll lose my attention. I'll forget that the gentleman that is visiting here from Connecticut was a wastewater manager for years and years, just like me. We shared, he was in the military when he was young. I was in the military. I came back and I went into wastewater for probably about 16 years. I say 20, but I rounded up, but he was a full 20 years in the wastewater business. And so my hat is off to you, Sledge Meister. There you go. Uh, let's see here. I won't tell you what we called the, I could tell you one of them. You know, they have the big trucks that used to take the uh, wastewater, the sludge out of the you know, you produce a lot of sludge and wastewater, and it's got to go somewhere. Well, we take it and put it out on the fields, and nowadays they burn most of it, or they do other things with it. But we would spray it on the fields out here on Clark Road, and we would call that the stool bus. Oh, yeah, no. we had another name, which was much, much worse. I can't tell you that one. But anyway, he would know all about those things, all of the little words that we used in the business. But yeah, he's my fellow wastewater operator here. Okay, from uh, Zero Hedge... I'm sorry, from the Times of Israel, Democrat hopeful Sanders urges giving chunk, here it is, of U.S. military aid to Gaza instead. Democrat presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders said that part of the $3.8 billion in annual U.S. military assistance to Israel should go toward humanitarian relief in Gaza. Now remember, this was done by a memorandum of understanding between two sovereign nations. So he's actually talking about violating something that we have agreed with uh, one of our fellow nations over there in order to help the Palestinians who haven't helped themselves in years. Anyway, um, he goes on, um, I would use the leverage of the $3.8 billion, he told the CONFAB, referring to the U.S.-Israel Memorandum of Understanding brokered under the Obama admin. It is a lot of money, and we cannot give it carte blanche to the Israeli government, or for that matter, to any government at all. We have a right to demand respect for human rights and democracy. Well, yeah, the guy's crazy. He's just as crazy as a football bat. Anyway, um, from the Times of Israel, Warren says, two-state solution, dividing Jerusalem is the only solution. So there you go with her opinion. From Mongolia today, from Xinhua, Mongolia to hold Camel Festival to boost tourism. I've reported on this year after year, and here we are once again under the auspices of the Mongolian Minister of Education, Culture, Science, and Sports. The event will be held for the 12th year on November 25 through 26 in Altai, entitled the Great Desert Camel Festival. It aims to attract more domestic and foreign tourists, pass on the camel culture to future generations, and encourage herders to improve camel breeding and increase the animal's population. The festival will feature multiple activities, including camel racing, herders, conference, camel polo, and a trade fair featuring camel products. Camel products? Smoking? I don't know. Camel products. The country has attracted a total of 217,000 foreign tourists in the first half of this year up 
14.8% year on year. And I would bet that out of that 14.8% year on year growth, 13.9% of it came because of the prophecy update at the Superior Award. Okay, maybe not, but we're doing our best for them. Well, yeah, we know one kid that went, that's right. From Daniel 12 Technology today, I would like to ask a question before I give you my articles. Will somebody please invent something that will trick dogs into sleeping in that extra hour on daylight savings time? I, I get up at 3.45, okay? The clock was set back, which means it's now 2.45. Fatso started to whine and... He can't bark. He goes, he sounds like a cat. Fatso started to do that at 2.47 this morning. Two minutes after the regular time, but I'm supposed to get an extra hour of sleep. I did not. 2.47, two minutes late. He's not up. I'm going to start whining like a cat. And so, oh, no earplugs. I need somebody to invent something that will trick them, not me. I don't want to, I wear earplugs when I'm out doing my part-time jobs. I don't want to wear them any other time. What's that? You said you went to bed an hour I did. I went to bed an hour earlier, plus the hour that I was supposed to get, and I was going to have two extra hours of sleep today. That didn't happen. All right, from Zero Hedge. Gulfstream is back in the race for the world's biggest private jet. You know, these private jets are getting almost like commercial jets. Here we go. Gulfstream is now gunning for bragging rights to the world's biggest private jet. Gulfstream's G650 was unseated as the world's largest luxury jet by Bombardier's Global 7500 last year. But now, Gulfstream's new G700, a roomier version of its flagship G650, is set to debut in 2022 and will be capable of flying 7,500 nautical miles and cruising at just under the speed of sound. Gulfstream President Mark Burns said that the plane has the tallest, widest, longest cabin in our industry. Gulfstream is making a bet that the $76 million G700 will entice some of the richest flyers in the world with its large cabin and upgraded range. Well, we got those uh, televangelists that could afford two or three of these, right? Anyway, Qatar Airways is already uh, Jesse Duplantis. I'm going to get me a G700. Okay, he's uh, already ordered 10 of the aircraft for its charter service, Qatar Executive. Gulfstream waited on announcing its new plane until it had delivered two new similar jets, the G500 and the G600. The G600 began shipments in June and the G500 debuted about a year earlier. Both models were introduced in 2014 where the flagship G650 debuted in 2012. So there you go. The race is on. Mail online. Giant robots powered by AI are being trained to 3D print rockets designed to take humans into space. You no longer have to manufacture these things by hand the way they did with the Mercury and the Apollo and all those. Now they just have something print out the parts of the rockets. A new company founded by two former USC students wants to change the way rockets are made by using enormous 3D printers. The company's initial project is called Tehran One. A 100-foot-tall rocket that initially will carry satellites of up to 2,800 pounds into orbit around the Earth. The current plan is to radically simplify manufacturing using 100 times fewer parts to create a rocket that's so easy to manufacture an AI can handle it. Relativity Space is based in L.A., where it's working on building a rocket that could launch as early as 2021. We're talking in just another year or so. The device was created by California-based company Made in Space, 
who were contracted by NASA to design it for the ISS. That's not ISIS. That's the International Space <laughs> Station called the 3D Printing in Zero-G Technology Demonstration. It aims to show the additive manufacturing technique can make 3D printed parts and tools in space. The company is training an AI to be able to oversee the printing process, something they hope will lead to final goal of being able to 3D print rockets on Mars and other off-world locations. To date, most 3D printing applications have focused on rocket parts, but not building an entire rocket from 3D printed material. NASA's RS-25 engine, which the agency believes could take humans to Mars at some point in the 2030s, is partially made from 3D printed parts. So, what they call Tehran? Tehran, Tehran. You know the. I don't, no, not Tehran, Tehran, T-E-R-A-N, like you know the ter- terrestrial. And yes, not Tehran. No, no, no. Anyway, revelation plagues today from the New York Post. Doctors warn of eye stroke. Anybody here had a stroke in their eye? Ugh. Eye stroke after man blinded by phone games. If you're on your phone too much, you can have eye stroke. Listen to this. Medical professionals are warning phone users about eye strokes after a man in China went temporarily blind after staring at his device in the dark. They say using your smartphone in bed is bad, but this is really bad. The man identified as Wang from Xi'an and Shaanxi province says that he momentarily lost his sight after playing games on his smartphone with the lights off. I was using my right eye to look at my phone, and I could see some words, but not others, said Wang, of the frightening incident. Doctors then diagnosed him with a central retinal artery occlusion, known as an eye stroke, a condition caused by a blockage of the arteries carrying oxygen to the retina. The ocular clot can result in severe vision loss if not treated immediately, as was allegedly the case with this guy. The report didn't specify whether he went blind in one or both eyes. Wang's doctor, Lei Tao, attributed Wang's blind spell to an overuse of electronic items, which can lead to excessive strain on vision. Wang indeed claims he had a habit of playing on his phone after going to bed, much to the annoyance of his wife. Temporary, yeah, temporary screen-induced sight loss is a growing epidemic among smartphone users, according to Lei, who says he sees around 20 mostly younger sufferers of the ailment every month. Lay adds that the rate of permanent blindness is also high. So if you are using these, you know, in the dark, don't. That'll stress your eyes, and apparently you can go blind from it. Zero Hedge says, Global authorities brace for worldwide protein shortage after a quarter of Earth's pigs are wiped out. They're really thinking this is going to get global. It's been in China. It's been in, you know, much of Asia, South Korea. They know North Korea, etc. But they think this is probably going to go global. And if it does, at least a quarter of the pigs of the... One guy was talking about completely wiping out. He said, that's possible. Another guy said, I don't think that's the no case. Bacon. But No bacon. I'm sorry. No bacon for you, especially. Yeah, that's because we've been selling so much to China that there it, it is a market, what do you call it, supply and demand. And so they are going down, but they will eventually go up. They said this would happen in the U.S. and China would have its problems. And so far, it's followed the pattern that they said. But you obviously missed that prophecy update that I read some time ago. No, so. It just doesn't make sense. I'm just kidding right you. Now-
Pork is low. Yes, pork is low, but it will go up. It will go up, Missy. And talking about pork, well, no. Yesterday, we were at, after mission work, we went to uh, Demetrio's Pizza. Great, great pizza here in Sarasota, if you want to try that. And we had what? Bacon. Bacon pizza. That's right. So there you go. And she knows it was low because she bought yesterday. No, she didn't. I never let her buy. She's not allowed to buy. It's okay. Morality today. Zero hedge. Pennsylvania School District votes to replace locker rooms with $2.4 million gender-neutral facilities. Now, the reason why I'm reporting this is this is obviously going to go on and on, but to me, it's the economic thing. Taxpayers are being milked, whether they like it or not, because of this agenda. $2.4 million, and this is one school. Now, start adding that into every school that's going to be doing this eventually. All right? Gone are the days of boys fantasizing about sneaking into the girls' locker room, at least in eastern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. That's because the eastern Lancaster County District School District voted to create non-gender-specific facilities instead of traditional gender-specific locker rooms. The policy was unanimously passed on the first student day of the 2019-2020 school year. The $2.4 million plan for Eastern Lancaster County School District will include four zones that hold a total of 48 changing rooms and 78 private showers. But they're, they're private, but it's just gender neutral. You go in, you take a shower in the private shower next to somebody that might not be your gender is the point here. The showers can also double as changing rooms. Since they will be private, making a total of 124 total changing rooms, starting this year, there are also 13 single-user restrooms being made available to students. The restrooms only mark a first step in a much larger inclusivity initiative that will include specified classrooms for teams to meet during competition when they would normally meet in a locker room. So this is where the world is going, and this is going to come eventually to Sarasota, and you better be ready to protest it and say, we don't want our funds paying for this. And vote. And vote. vote. If you're a Christian and you're not voting, you're the problem. You are the problem. Mail online. Lawyers argue that the Bronx Zoo's Happy the Elephant should have the same rights as humans, which includes fundamental entitlement to liberty. I've reported on this same group that has done this with three different animals up there. Eventually, they are going to win. And when they do, this is going to change all of the dynamics in this nation, unless the Supreme Court overrules them. But with John Roberts up there as the chief Supreme Court, you don't know what he's going to do. The guy is he's moving left every day in his head, and I don't understand that. But here we go. Animal rights lawyers representing Happy the Elephant have argued in a New York court that their client should be considered a person, an elephant be a person. Stephen Wise, president of the nonprofit Non-Human Rights Project, so they just say he's non-human, and now they're saying that it should have human rights, believes the 48-year-old elephant is an autonomous being who has been detained illegally. Wise is arguing personhood is a capacity for rights and is seeking a writ of habeas corpus or the right to challenge an individual's confinement in court. So, as I said, this is going to keep happening until they actually get this passed. And once it does, it's going to cause all kinds of problems in this nation. From Zero Hedge, transgender activist who tried to force beauticians to wax his he loses the case. Some good news there. They threw that guy's case out. They said, you cannot force a person to do that when you still have the parts of a male. Okay? From the Independent, Northern Ireland pro-choice campaigners celebrate as abortion is decriminalized. They're celebrating. 
It's like what we saw with Australia. We've seen it here in Florida. People literally beaming, glowing at the fact that they can now murder children. From Life News, 900 abortion clinics have lost taxpayer funding thanks to President Trump. Yes, 900 of them. Praise the Lord. Our other category. Speaking of President Trump, Florida welcomes its newest resident, yes. President yes. Donald yes. J. Trump. Bad. Yes. Bad. From ABC, Trump campaign scoops up Biden's Latino voter web address, trolls his voter outreach. This is classic. It didn't take long for the Trump campaign to figure out how to troll Joe Biden moments after the former VP's campaign announced a Latino voter outreach program. Biden, who spent the day campaigning across Pennsylvania and Iowa, announced Todos con Biden, I guess is how you would say it in Spanish. Anyway, a national network of Latino supporters working to help elect the former vice president. But there's one problem. The Biden campaign failed to purchase the todosconbiden.com or even lock down the at todosconbiden Twitter handle before announcing the new effort prompting the president, Trump, his re-election team, to do what it does best, troll. Now the Trump campaign is using www.todoscombeaton.com to mock the former vice president. I know I went there and it does. Yes, with a landing page that says in both English and Spanish, oops, Joe forgot about the Latinos. The page also links out to the president's own Latino outreach coalition, Latinos for Trump, and the Todos Con Beaten Twitter account in the possession of the Trump campaign has already been posting unflattering counter-messaging targeting Biden. So I love it. That's our president, and they're, they're thinking outside the box. Good job. Uh, I like it says, you're on the site, and it's all in Hispanic, and it says, um, vamos. And when you click the oh. vamos button, it takes you over to his website. Oh. So, yeah. Okay, Zero Hedge, New York City housing bubble implodes. Tribeca home prices plunge 28% as new taxes bite. Yes, when New York City Mayor de Blasio pushed through the controversial mansion tax hike on expensive New York City properties, real estate experts warned that it would hurt the housing market, but they're pleased that it could cause unceremonious end of one of the frothiest property bubbles since the crisis fell on deaf ears. De Blasio's decision raised the mansion tax rate, officially known as the transfer tax rate, from 1% flat rate to a tiered system. And now, prices in some of the city's trendiest neighborhoods are in freefall. In Tribeca, prices for used homes plunged 28% year-on-year, the largest drop of any neighborhood in the city. Values in both Greenwich Village and Chelsea also dropped by 15%. Also, the Upper West Side and the area that includes Soho were each down 14%. It doesn't take a PhD in economics to understand what happens when listings, for example, supply, expand while demand, both domestic and foreign, drops off. They were warned, and he's killed the housing market up there. That's what, remember when Bush Sr., H.W., was in, and the Democrats forced through the uh, you buy a big boat or the luxury tax. Remember that? And the luxury industry went almost bankrupt. Hundreds of companies went out of business. You couldn't get boats anymore. Of course that's going to happen. You raise taxes and people aren't going to spend the money on those things. From Breitbart, New York City exports homeless 
across the country without telling receiving cities. You talk about you talk about some dirty people. This is it. New York City is spreading its homeless crisis across the nation by quietly sending homeless people to other cities in the United States, all without giving the receiving cities a heads up. The city has deployed local homeless families to 373 cities across the United States, from Honolulu to Louisiana, with a year's worth of rent as part of Mayor Bill de Blasio's special one-time assistance program. We'll give you a year of rent if you will get out of New York City without alerting local officials in those cities. City taxpayers spent $89 million on rent to ship 5,074 homeless families or 12,482 individuals out of the city since the program started in August 2017. The families initially housed in the city shelters were sent to 32 states and far-flung locales such as Puerto Rico. The city also doled out money for travel expenses through another city taxpayer-funded program called Project Reconnect, but there was no word on how much the city spent on this program. They're taking public funds and shipping people out of their area to us around the nation. That is some dirty people. From Zero Hedge, last weekend, no one was shot in New York City for the first time since 1993. Imagine that. A whole day, yeah, that's right. That was one weekend ago, not this weekend, but one weekend ago. Zero Hedge, Chicago ranked most rat-infested city in America for the fifth consecutive year. Yeah, from the Hill, 27 nations pledged nearly $10 billion to fight climate change. U.S., not among them. Oh. From Breitbart, 74 miles of border wall completed, 158 more under construction. And we would have had 2,000 if it wasn't for liberal judges, but he is keeping his promise. Got a less here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he's talking about today. It's too bad the church can't count on beads to help meet all its financial needs. They'll soon be left with none, N-U-N, which will not be too fun. It is what happens when one counts on deeds. It's been said that the cause of said effects is tiered in with their dads having sex, in other words, fathers, okay? And bad management too has now come into view. It's the wisdom of man, not a hex. There you go. Uh, what is it, uh, bad financial choices at the, uh, at the Vatican? There you go. Okay, a couple of ironies and we'll be done. From Mail Online, grandmother, 70 years old, is saved from being cremated alive when her husband noticed she was still breathing moments before. That was a good irony there. Yeah, it was over in Thailand. They do those, uh, what do you call it, cremations, and she was breathing. And then mail online. You talk about irony. This is irony here. Runner, 25, wearing a Jesus Saves bib, is saved by a nurse named Jesus after he had a heart attack and collapsed during a Minneapolis Marathon. So Jesus saves. <laughs> Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your prophecy update for the week. Oh, goodness. Jesus saves.